Welcome on in to the Tony Parks Podcast. Thanks so much for being with us here today. Lots of NBA action to get to, including the Utah Jazz, who stand at the top of the Western Conference, and the NBA with the best record and their journey to hopefully becoming champions in the 2021 season. As always, you can follow the show on all forms of social media at Tony Parks 801 You can email me, TonyParks801 at gmail.com. Always love the feedback. Always love the conversation, uh, especially when it comes to the Utah Jazz. Now, the Jazz had their last loss uh, Wednesday night. Uh, they lose to the Phoenix Suns. Suns beat them in overtime, and there was a lot of reaction to it. And I talked about it on Twitter. I said, uh, hey, the poor shooting is one thing, but getting beaten on the boards is what was really concerning. The Jazz got handled there. And um, that was something I hadn't seen. The Jazz, uh, the Jazz were beaten badly in that area for a very rare time. I think they were beaten by 16. Uh, and overall, the Jazz are still contenders. And while the Lakers are the favorite when healthy, this postseason in the NBA, and especially the Western Conference, is going to be fantastic all the way through. It's been a really long time since I can remember this many teams being in the category of contender or light contender. Because I think the Western Conference, one through five, has that. The Jazz are great in a year where the West is deep, right? But that's not the worst thing. Uh, The worst thing was when the West wasn't deep, the conference was dealing with having just two contenders, and they were much better than everybody else. And the favorite, that was the Warriors, right? That team was considered unbeatable. So it didn't matter what you did, really. Um, Everybody, it felt, was playing for second. So while the Jazz stand at the top of the West and the NBA, they are not the biggest surprise of the year. The biggest surprise of the year is the team that beat them on Wednesday night. That's the Phoenix Suns. They go from being one of the very worst teams in the league for the very, uh, well, man, past handful of years, I mean, it's been a while, to now being in the mix for the one seed. And I don't think they'll get it, but they'll be in the mix for the one seed in the West. They've beaten great teams all year long, including the Jazz. They are tough. They are hot. And they are going to be hell to play in the postseason. And while I'm watching uh, them play and look like an entirely different team than anything I've seen over the past years, you can't help but to appreciate the play of Chris Paul. Because Chris Paul, I think, is one of the most interesting stories in NBA history. Chris Paul is maybe the best example of a guy who does whatever it takes to be the best player for his team, even at times when he's not the best player on his team. And a lot of fans out there don't like him. And there's, by the way, it's sports. You don't have to like, you know, you can dislike a player for several reasons. But I have to tell you, I love him. And I think he's fantastic. I think he's a winner. I think he's everything you want in a winner. And I think he's one of the guys in sports history that has been given a very unfair label. Very unfair. Um, I was around that Clipper team that he was a part of back in 2017, right? They lost in the first round of the playoffs to the Jazz in seven games. Paul was out there constantly frustrated, upset, really pissed that his team didn't play better. Uh, those Clipper teams were the ultimate example of underachievement. They had the best point guard, best power forward, best rim protector, great three-point shooter, six-man-of-the-year kind of guy, championship-caliber head coach, who I still really like in Doc Rivers, and they had no business not competing for a title every single year. Yet, when it was all said and done, they never even got to a Western Conference final 
as good as those teams were. And that's because they were loaded with dudes who were really good and refused to do what it takes to ever get better or pay the price to be a champion. They didn't want to do that. They had no interest in the hard stuff. They won a lot of games with losing habits. Their habits kept them uh, from winning a championship and getting to championship level, and their talent helped them win enough that they never found enough motivation to change those bad habits. That's why they blew it against the Rockets. Got physically handled and outworked against a Memphis team uh, that was far less talented than they were. They lost to the Jazz when Utah was without Gobert for about half of the series, and they were missing Hayward for a pivotal game. Paul could feel all of that, and it pissed him off. Pissed him off. Here's the problem. He was in the minority. He didn't have his team's ear. They didn't want to follow him. They didn't want to listen to him. Not to the level he was hoping for because he could see something bigger for the entire group, and they never achieved it. So he gets traded to the Rockets, and everyone immediately assumes because he was the more vocal and upset player that he must have been the problem and that he was the primary reason for the team's lack of success. So he goes to Houston, and he takes them immediately from pretender to a 65-win team that was on the brink of beating one of the greatest teams of all time in the Western Conference Finals. They were right there. They were bought in on all the hard stuff. He gets injured in Game 5, and I'm telling you, if he's healthy while they were up 3-2, I really like their chances to win that series. They were starting to be the better team. It was crazy. Earlier in the playoffs, I had the chance to cover that team uh, in their series against the Jazz. And Paul was the same guy when looking at wanting to do whatever it takes to win. It was clear he had his team's ear when being a leader and knowing the price that it was going to take to win it all. That team went from being 21st and 18th defensively in the previous couple of years to being 6th in that area in that 2018 season. The next year, they compete really well. They lose in six against uh, the Warriors in the second round, but something wasn't right compared to the previous year. Defensively, they fell off. They went back to 17th, which if you're trying to compete for a championship, that's quite a drop. Some of it due to slight roster change, a few injuries in the regular season, but overall, they didn't have the collective unit to give what they needed to give of themselves to have the ultimate chance to win it all, especially against that uh, Warriors team. Those guys were great. Then it falls apart on them. They have the falling out with Harden and Paul. Paul knows what his strengths and weaknesses are, but he also knows what his team's strengths and weaknesses are. He knows how and when he can help his teammates. Paul wants to win more than anybody in the NBA. And sometimes that comes with really uncomfortable conversations and really high-level investment. So Chris Paul gets shipped out of town, and the Rockets organization made the ultimate mistake of trying to send the message that who is right rather than what is right. So James Harden is the better talent, and I heard this all over in the media too. James Harden's the better player. So essentially, James must be of the correct opinion about what it was going to take to be great. And the narrative that came out of that whole situation drove me crazy. And I hate this message when it gets thrown around because I think it's very dangerous uh, in, in professional careers. I think it's very dangerous in personal life. And the message was, well, 
This is now two teams that have moved on from him, and he's the common denominator. He must be the problem. And it was crazily unfair. Because, and I'll tell you, I mean, I've, I've seen many times where people were in the minority, but they were in the right. I remember a really good friend of mine uh, that worked at the Bees a couple of years ago. Uh, he worked on our uh, promotional team. Uh, this is a while back. Uh, he was afraid of getting divorced a second time because of the stigma that it would come with. And I'll spare you all the details, but neither fallout was his fault at all. At all. But he was afraid people would view him as the common denominator, so therefore he must be in the wrong in both situations. He was so afraid of the stigma that would come from being divorced multiple times because he thought it would look so bad on him. Sometimes people that have multiple fallouts are actually right both times. Maybe they're right one time, wrong the other. Maybe they were wrong both times. But what I don't believe in is assessing the common denominator as the problem. I think it is a lazy, lazy way to point the finger at somebody and move on without ever really knowing what was going on. Harden didn't want to listen to him or invest in any hard things anymore. Are you kidding me? And he didn't want to buy into what the team needed to do to be the best, which is why that team went from sixth defensively to 17th. So Paul gets shipped out and takes a Thunder team that I didn't think would make the playoffs, gets them to the five seed, competing well, nearly beats a much more talented Harden and Westbrook in the first round, a, a, a very underperforming Harden and Westbrook, if, if I may be honest about that, and nearly beats them in seven games. Now, I don't think for a second, when I watch all of that, that Harden and Westbrook, should have been in a dogfight series. And the Harden-Westbrook Rockets went in and got smashed in the next round. They were never a contender when you watched the quality of play. Now, when I say that I don't think Paul was, you know, the ultimate problem, I don't think for a second that he probably didn't wear on people. Because he probably did wear on people. But we're talking about being on teams that are striving to become the champion. You're going to have some irritability. You're going to have some pushing to get people to places that maybe they can't take themselves. The price to pay is steep and the investment is expensive. I've talked about it a million times and there's no telling whether or not you'll actually get it done. Stockton and Malone paid the price every day for two decades and didn't win the title. Didn't. I'm sure they wore on people. I'm sure Tom Brady wears on people. Nick Saban. Greg Popovich. We know Michael Jordan did. We saw the uh, recent documentary. Kobe Bryant absolutely did. Kobe was so tough to deal with to the point that one of the 10 best players in NBA history couldn't take it anymore. And if those guys had stayed together, who knows what that decade would have looked like. All of those guys I have mentioned were eventually surrounded by really talented guys that wanted to do what it takes to be the best. If Pow checks out on Kobe, that team goes nowhere. If you surrounded Tom Brady with a bunch of dudes who didn't care to work and compete, then he's just a nagging quarterback who's always complaining, and he rubs everyone the wrong way. Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, they bought into Greg Popovich every single day. Kawhi Leonard, who was fabulous and even won a title with Coach Popovich, couldn't work with him. Can you imagine if Carl Malone 
who was the best player on the team, just didn't want to have the drive or didn't want to do the things that it takes to win, what would Jerry and, and John really look like? How could all of their careers have been affected by that? But all three of them had the same mindset. So now they're all Hall of Famers, and they gave themselves, I know they didn't win at all, but they gave themselves the absolute best chance they had. And had five years, man, where that team was right up there. Now, I'm not saying Paul is to the talent level of any of the guys that I've just mentioned. That's, I'm not even saying that. But I do believe that he has the passion, the knowledge, the leadership, and he's still a very, very good player. And he has what it takes to help grow a collective unit to be the very best. And now he's with a group that has never won a thing. These guys have never won anything. And they're investing more than they ever have. They stand with the second best record in the league after being last or nearly last every year. And that's because they're coachable. Situations matter. I've seen people in management positions that didn't get support or or their understudies didn't really listen to them. Leaders weren't really uh, coachable to what a person in in another leadership position was trying uh, to coach up or or trying to uh, talk about. And I've watched really good ideas die because there wasn't enough good support. I mean, Blake Griffin goes to Detroit. They got no better. He's with the Nets team now. Well, they're loaded with talent. He doesn't have to be some kind of leader or example of toughness. He doesn't have to be this beacon of hard work and adaptability. DeAndre Jordan didn't impact any of his future teams uh, the, the ways that Chris Paul has. And James Harden... Now, put that Rockets team in a position that after they gave him everything he wanted, time and time again, oh, you want him out? We'll get him out. You want him in? We'll bring him in. They did everything that he could possibly have wanted. And now they have to start from the bottom. And he couldn't have been more petulant in the way that he went about the whole entire thing. And now they have to start from the bottom. And Harden is the guy who is very capable of winning it all, but he's the guy where everything's got to be just right. And we've all worked with those people where if everything's just right, then they're great to work with. But if something's not quite right, it can be very difficult. So Harden needs everything to be his way and everything's got to be just right to have the ultimate results to have a chance, which includes a loaded roster there with the Brooklyn Nets. Chris Paul takes any situation and just completely overachieves. Overachieved with the Thunder. Overachieving with the Phoenix Suns. In LA and Houston, Chris Paul was in the minority, but he was not in the wrong. The Nets, 25th defensively, number one on offense. Do you really believe they're just going to start investing on the defensive end of the floor when things get hard? They should be grateful to be in the East where things are much easier for their path. And Chris Paul is over here dealing with a much less talented roster. They're fifth defensively. They're right up there if you uh, could rank toughness. And it was two years ago. They were the uh, second-to-last defensive team in the NBA. 17th last year. They were getting better, but they weren't going to the 7-11 unless you get someone with real knowledge about what it takes to be great. So James Harden, Blake Griffin, both with teams that are surrounded with elite-level talent, but it's Chris Paul that's getting far more out of his guys than those guys ever will. So Chris Paul... Love him or hate him, he's proof that being surrounded by mentally tough people really matters and that you can be in the minority and also be in the right.
Thanks again for listening to the Tony Parks Podcast. Hopefully you love this episode. Uh, feel free to give me any feedback at Tony Parks 801 on social media. And then uh, email me, TonyParks801 at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for tuning in on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, any of those. Uh, thanks for all of your great support of the podcast. And as always, you can hear it right here on the Utah Podcast Network.